You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. It goes without saying that Beverly Hills is the ultimate luxury destination in the U.S. Home to the celebrity elite, luxury hotels, and upscale shopping on the world-renowned Rodeo Drive, visitors flock to Beverly Hills to experience the glitz and glamour of the world-famous 90210 zip code for themselves. The iconic Beverly Hills sign that marks its city limits is a symbol of wealth and class. Generations have been introduced to this small suburb of Los Angeles through film cameos and music lyrics from Irving Berlin's White Christmas to the movie Pretty Woman to television reality shows like Housewives of Beverly Hills. And of course, the 90s television series bearing the numeric string in its name. Well, who is the chief salesperson and marketer for the Beverly Hills brand? That person is my guest on the luxury item today. Julie Wagner is CEO of the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau. Julie is a seasoned executive with over 25 years of luxury and hospitality marketing. As the head visionary of the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau, she directs an international marketing strategy with a focus on China, UK, Australia, Middle East, India, Mexico, and Canada. Julie was also recently honored by Luxury Daily as one of the luxury women to watch. Welcome to the luxury item, Julie. Hi, how are you? Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Beverly Hills, California, a destination known worldwide for its luxury shopping, iconic hotels, and celebrity residents. It's both a place, standalone municipality with about, I don't know, 35,000 residents surrounded by Los Angeles. Correct. And And it's a symbol for a destination brand that embodies wealth and fame. So as the CEO of the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau, what are you tasked to do in selling this destination luxury brand? Well, I think our primary purpose is to ensure economic and social vitality in the city. And that's because by attracting tourists to come and stay in our hotels, we generate tax revenue for the city, which in turn provides incredible services to its residents and its local businesses. So that's part of it. But the other part of it, of course, is, you know, preserving the brand. And uh, we're the primary marketing arm for the city of Beverly Hills. And we represent the city both domestically and internationally. So I like to think of it um, that we're tasked with making sure that the brand of Beverly Hills continues to stay relevant, not only to its current customers, but to the next generation of consumers as they come up in the ranks. And Beverly Hills is like 0.1% of the population of California, yet it has the highest overall ultra high net worth residents and home to a number of billionaires. It has the world-renowned Rodeo Drive, the creme de la creme of luxury shopping and fabulous restaurants. It all sounds amazing. So what are some of the unique challenges that you actually face in selling the Beverly Hills brand? Well, I mean, I think one of the key takeaways when you know we invite people to come here is that they are astounded at the breadth and variety uh, of experiences, retail, hotels, um, you know, there really truly is something for every, um, I'm going to say lifestyle here. And, uh, you know, if you want the $30,000 dress in the penthouse suite and, you know, the amazing 
Rolls Royce to rent and tool around, you know, at Los Angeles. Well, you can do that here, but you know, if you want to come with your kids and play in the park and swim in the pool and go to Sprinkles Cupcake ATM for an afternoon treat, you can do that here. And I think that's one of the things that people don't necessarily know about our city. Um, and I think the other part of it is, you know, just making sure that we manage all of the different um, customer, you know, desires. So we still want to obviously maintain our reputation as a premium luxury, high-end destination for people that, you know, fall into that category. But we also want to make sure that people understand that we're not just that. So funding is something that a lot of destination marketing organizations struggle with. Has that been an issue for you? Well, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of different funding models out there. Um, some like us are funded 100% by tax revenue. Mm-hmm. Some are funded through county raven- revenue. Um, some have tourism improvement districts, um, which are assessments that consumers pay when they stay in the hotels. Our particular um, funding model is completely uh, tourism occupancy tax, which is, you know, slang for a heads and beds tax. Right. Um, and it's challenging for us because it's very finite. And, um, you know, most of our competitors around us have the combination of tourism improvement district and TOT, or they have a straight tourism improvement district. And so I think there's an opportunity for those funding models to um, generate a little bit more revenue to promote the city. But I will tell you this, even though we have a smaller budget than some of our competitors, we are very prolific. So um, our agency produces a lot of content and we do a lot considering what our budget limitations are. So, you know, we make the most of it. So when the pandemic hit, the travel sector almost immediately had to reckon with finding a new financial stream in light of tanked hotel demand and occupancy rates. So what was the situation like for your DMO? It was such a scary time for us. Um, You know, I'm a bit of a softie and I had to lay off um, most of the staff. Um, And uh, we had a couple of people who worked part-time in conjunction with me. And, um, you know, from a funding perspective, we had some reserves set aside and, um, and we just powered through. And, you know, we even had to work to advocate for the hotels that, you know, had huge TOT bills that they had to pay back to the city, um, but they had nobody in the hotel. So we worked out payment plans. Um, You know, it was, I mean, for everybody, not just us, but it was very much uncharted territory. And we just tried to do the best that we could. And it was also a wake-up call to diversify finances and strategy to have some level of resilience for the next crisis. So what kinds of strategies have you and your team been implementing to better be prepared for the next crisis? Well, I mean, I think that this is an ongoing conversation with um, our team and the board of directors in the city. Um, We have, um, for most hotels, a pretty reasonable, we're pretty comparable to other destinations with regard to TOT rates, but there's Um, A few of the newer hotels pay higher taxes. And so 
there is a reluctance um, amongst hoteliers to create any additional assessments or fees. Um, I think really, if, you know, from an industry perspective, and I love my industry because we're so collaborative um, and we all talk so much and discuss best practices together. Um, really, it's about making sure that you have a healthy reserve first and foremost. So I was reading that before the pandemic, something like 7.5 million visitors ventured into Beverly Hills in 2018, where about 80% of the visitors were international. And obviously the pandemic crushed that all. Now that the world has been opening up again, uh, how many visitors are you expecting in 2022? And what's the international mix going to be like? Well, we're going to do an economic impact study starting this summer. So I'll have a little better idea of exactly how things are recovering. But, you know, in terms of looking at tourism economics does um, forecasting for many of the destinations, including the USA and Los Angeles area. And we're not looking at a full recovery internationally till 2024, 2025. So um, you know, I think the thing that is really helping us right now, and it's helping all the areas because it's not just us, but, you know, average daily rates are pretty high because of the pent up demand. Right. And, um, you know, while our occupancy hasn't returned to normal, we're getting much closer, but our revenue per available room, which is our primary source of measuring success is certainly one of the highest in the regions. And so that has been um, a lifesaver and, um, and has contributed to the economic health of the city for sure. Let me actually stick on the on the international visitors. What are you doing to get them back? Well, our strategy has always been um, to go in market and build relationships. Um, we have three you know, audiences that we market to. We market to travel trade. Mm -hmm. uh, we market to the media because obviously they have a huge influence. And then we market direct to consumers. So from an international perspective, it's always been a heavy focus on um, trade and media. And uh, we've already been to this year, Mexico and Canada. I'm going um, with some of my general managers to the Middle East in early May. Mm -hmm. um, and we're looking at going back to Australia probably over this summer. So um, that's part of it. We also have agencies uh, in some of these destinations. So we hired back our UK agency and our Middle East agency and our Australia agency. And so those agencies, um, you know, promote us, get people to come here for familiarization trips and meet with them and make sure that our destination stays top of mind. And then they also host us and arrange all of our sales missions over there. We're looking at adding maybe next year Mexico because Mexico is predicted to be probably one of the first markets to recover followed by Canada. Right. So back in 2016, Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau commissioned a thought leadership paper titled Beverly Hills, the Future of Luxury. How did the whole idea for that study come about and what were you hoping to achieve from this study? Well, I mean, I think one of the great things about working for the city of Beverly Hills is that everybody knows what you're talking about. Right. One of the challenges of working for, you know, with a mature brand um, is that everybody has preconceived notions. 
And so um, I think it was a couple of things, um, you know, and it's one of the things that is probably one of the highest priorities in terms of, you know, what I think our role is, which is to make sure that the brand continues to stay relevant. So by positioning us as a thought leader, um, that contributes to the perception that Beverly Hills really sets the stage for what luxury is all about. And, um, and that was really the intention when we set out to create this paper. But secondarily to that is also, you know, providing a roadmap for, um, you know, what our goals are in terms of how we continue to market the city, how we continue to position ourselves and how we continue to stay relevant. What were some of the themes and messages that came out of that particular study? Well, um, you know, we talked about wired wellness. We talked about, um, you know, which is, you know, overtaken everything. Um, we talked about um, creativity and the outsider and how, um, you know, fashion houses were looking outside of their industry to, um, you know, and at up and comers to lead their brands in the creative vision. We talked about, um, you know, sourcing both from a food perspective and from a fashion perspective, supporting, you know, local growers and fishermen and, um, you know, and even supporting, um, you know, villages where they're making materials that are, you know, found in or textiles that are found in luxury fashion. Um, and then kind of bringing it into the physical spaces so that, I mean, we had before the pandemic, we had an incredible pop up uh, from LVMH that had um, it showed how their trunks were made. It had um, a history of all of the trunks. It had it brought in the celebrity aspect by showing some of the famous dresses that Oscar winners and actresses wore to award shows. It showed the history of you know all their scarves. So really, kind of giving consumers um, a firsthand glimpse into the craftsmanship that goes into these incredible brands. And a lot has changed in the luxury industry over the past six years when the paper was first released, with the pandemic having a drastic impact on the overall luxury market and a profound change in the way people live and shop. Beverly Hills is sitting right in that lap of luxury. So what shifts stand out for you? Well, I mean, I think that um, I think that this whole idea and this started before, you know, the pandemic hit this whole shift to the online experience and, you know, not buying in person shopping, you know, from an e-commerce perspective um, continued to be an issue. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the other thing that happened is that people in during the pandemic had a lot more discretionary income. So, you know, it just motivated them all that much more to get used to buying online. So I think that's been one of the key shifts that we saw coming even before the pandemic. And um, when I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is this whole idea and it, it was there when we created the future of luxury of how to marry the digital with the tangible. Were the boutiques, the luxury boutiques in Beverly Hills ready for that shift when that happened? 
Well, I mean, you know, everybody had to close their doors and, you know, and then LA, you know, had the whole, you know, online, you know, curbside pickup and, you know, just some of the things that we went through during the pandemic. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, that, that we really had an opportunity to, you know, kind of experiment with is kind of looking at, we did this campaign called Far From Ordinary and, you know, trying to showcase the hidden gems, trying to showcase um, things that are, which everybody loves to live like a local, right? You know, mm-hmm. kind of the insider's guide to um, to Beverly Hills and, and this whole Far From Ordinary, just, you know, there was the marketing campaign with hotel packages, but then we did a whole content collective around um, influencers that generated follow, you know, engagement from younger audiences and aspirational audiences. So we really, um, we really try to showcase the city in an unexpected way. And, um, and I think that kind of gets people into the destination because they want to live like this and you can't do that online. There are so many TV shows now with Beverly Hills in the name. So you have like the real housewives of Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills nannies, selling sunset. Do, do these things actually help the Beverly Hill Beverly Hills brand? I think it has its pluses and its minuses, you know, um, personality wise. I certainly don't aspire to be some of these people. Um right. You know, and I don't think that, you know, we have a really tight community here, which is one of the lovely things about Beverly Hills. And I don't know that visitors get that right off the bat, but you, if you frequent this place, you, you know, that, that, you know, it's, it's really kind of lovely here, the way people know each other. And it's very much got that small village appeal. I think what the good thing um, that these types of shows do though, is they, contribute to the um, cachet of the city. They keep the city top of mind Um, anytime. I mean, most of these ladies don't even live in Beverly Hills. So, you know, anytime they come to the city and experience different aspects of what we have to offer here, certainly, um, you know, that's always, um, you know, showcased in a, in a, a positive way. So like everything else, you know, it has its pluses and its minuses and we take it all. Um, we take the good stuff and we leave the not so good stuff behind. So wealthy millennials have been fueling luxuries travel comeback after two years of a pandemic. They're booking trips to Europe, island life and a healthy dose of adventure. Aside from these two programs, the programs you mentioned before, I think the far from ordinary and I think you did um, uh, the program you did with Monocle. Um, we did that. We also did another something to feel good about too. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you had original films and things like that. Besides those programs, how does Beverly Hills attract young travelers with pent up wanderlust? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that that we went through with the pandemic was, yeah, everybody wanted to go outdoors. They wanted to do adventure travel. People, I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't get a reservation for an RV. Um, You know, that was very much a trend. I think now that things are settling down again, people are looking to urban destinations. Um, I think for us, it was really important to promote the um, 
outdoor nature of the destination and the beauty of the destination. Um, I mean, we have 35,000 residents and 33,000, you know, we almost have one tree species for every resident. So very lush, very green, um, incredible parks, hiking trails, running tracks, um, you know, all the shopping is outside. Our outdoor dining program is bar none here. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with the campaign that we did something to feel good about, it really was focused on, you know, these key pillars that people were, you know, were important to them during the pandemic and continue to be important. So, you know, being able to take time for yourself, being able to, you know, be outside and enjoy all of the natural beauty that is Beverly Hills. And it is really quite a beautiful place. Um, uh, you know, being able to, you know, have something for every lifestyle, um, you know, again, the whole, no matter what kind of this whole idea of customizable luxury, no matter what kind of experience you have, you can curate that here. Um, and then, you know, some of the film content that you mentioned really showcased how the city inspires people. So, you know, we've done um, with artists who moved here um, because the lifestyle here inspires them. David Alheda, for example, has this home, which is his house that he opens up to the public to come in and see all of the artwork that he curates. Um, uh, Adrian Savage was just, you know, all about, I mean, he's this incredible menswear designer and jewelry designer and, you know, all the things about, about this place that, um, that, uh, you know, attracted him to move all the way from London. I will tell you, inspiration abounds around every corner here. We have the best, some of the best people watching of any place I've ever been. And I've been to a lot of different places. And, you know, and the beauty is, uh, you know, in art, in food, in fashion, in the way people dress. Um, that's certainly a very important aspect of what we have to offer. So we're also starting to see many travelers using Airbnb for a more local travel experience. What are your thoughts on short-term rentals in Beverly Hills? Well, you know, I think it it's kind of twofold. Um, you know, my personal taste has always been hotels because when I go away, I don't want to do my own laundry, change my own sheet. I mean, that's part of being pampered for me is that whole experience of being taken care of. And that's not, you know, unless you're renting a big home and you're in that upper 1% where you bring your whole staff with you, um, that's not really the experience, you know, being pampered is um, not really something you do in short-term rentals. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, for some people that contributes to the whole live like a local experience. And uh, I think they can coexist in some capacity, um, but we have pretty stringent rules here about short-term rentals. So people who do um, rent out their homes are only allowed to do that twice a year. And so, and our code enforcement tries to stay on top of all of that. So, um, you know, take it or leave it. Um, you know, I still think that there's no better way to be pampered than to go to a hotel for sure. Beverly Hills is such a unique global brand. Do you work with other Southern California destinations like Santa Monica or Palm Springs 
or do you view them as comp competition? I love this industry. We work so closely together and, um, you know, no two cities are alike. So are we direct competitors? No. Do we compete for rooms? Well, yeah, we do. But I have never seen such a collaborative industry in my entire career. And that's one of the lovely things about um about working in a DMO environment, a destination marketing organization or management organization, depending on who you're talking to. So I can call up, I'm, and I'm good friends with all of my peers. I can call any one of them, ask them for advice, ask them uh, to partner with me to help save costs on a big trade show. Um, you know, it really is uh, inspiring. What do you believe are the emerging opportunities that will drive visitors to Beverly Hills? Any particular markets or sectors or marketing <clears throat> channel opportunities that excite you? I'm kind of excited about the metaverse, but I'm excited, excited about augmented reality, about how we marry the metaverse with the tangible, um, the tangible mm -hmm. experience. And we're actually, um, you know, I mean, it's a very expensive proposition and it's changing so fast, it makes my head spin. But I am looking forward because I, you know, it's fun to innovate. Um, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing how that uh, morphs and changes and evolves. And I'm looking forward to creating content that can live in both worlds. So you see like a virtual shopping district modeled after the real Rodeo Drive where people can purchase digital fashion goods from different tenants. And something like this is actually already happening in Japan. Is that something that you're thinking about, something like that? Uh, well, we haven't gotten that far. And I think that um, that is a very complicated prospect because you need to buy, uh, you need to buy real estate, which yep. is very expensive. And so certainly not within... Our, um, our budget realm. I know the city is looking into, you know, things like that, but I, you know, and I don't remember the brand who did it, but, you know, this whole idea of buying a digital suit and then, you know, and then being able to, you know, if you're the first one to buy it, then you get a real suit, you know, when you're, right. you know, do you know that kind of stuff where it, like it, it serves you in this digital sphere, but it also serves you in real life too. So um, what is it, IRL? <clears throat> so uh, that's what I'm kind of excited about is maybe this will be an opportunity for us to, you know, just like we look at e-commerce now, you know, you, you go online and this is the way I hope it goes. You go online, you look at some stuff, you're like, oh, that's really I really like that. I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to go into the store and see what it feels like, you know, because when you're buying luxury, you really, you need to touch it. You need to feel it and you need to have an experience, a physical experience with it. So, you know, in the long haul, I'm hoping that the metaverse kind of gives you even more of an experience with these tangible things, but then you have to be motivated to come into the physical world to be able to really enjoy it. So um, I'd like to see how that plays out for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. So over, over tourism and sustainability are two of the buzzwords in destination branding at the moment. What strategies are you taking to meet these challenges in Beverly Hills? Well, I mean, after what we've been through in the last two years, I think over tourism is a, is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> That's a quality right. problem, right? 
Right. Um, you know, our business with regard to over tourism, our business districts and our residential districts are pretty separate. So I'm not sure that that's something that we worry about too much here. Um, I think where, you know, it starts to impact the resident experience, then it becomes a little trickier. Um, from a sustainability perspective, look, we just came off of two years where it was disposable everything, you know, single use everything, you know, because nobody wanted to touch it again. So I think that, you know, you know, with everything that's going on with, you know, our planet and, you know, all of this focus on trying to, to you know, contribute in a positive way that sustainability is, you know, a no brainer in terms of coming back into focus. Um, for us, I think all of the new development that you see in Beverly Hills is all going to have, um, you know, mindfulness around sustainability. I think hotels will continue to focus on, um, you know, eliminating single use anything. Um, but I think it's going to be um, a tricky balance coming out of the pandemic and, you know, people's phobias about germs and touching things. And so, um, you know, it's definitely going to have to be efforts on the back end where, you know, it isn't so much customer facing um, and new development, but I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to figure out what it means in terms of the consumer facing stuff. Do you see destination marketing organizations position in the travel industry changing at all in the next five to 10 years? Well, you know, there's been this shift to from destination marketing organization to destination management organization and, you know, this whole idea of stewardship and advocacy. And <clears throat> I think one of our roles that people don't realize from, first of all, people don't even know that we exist. So that is definitely an issue. I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of your listeners don't know what a destination marketing organization Absolutely. is. You know, they think, okay, the city does all of this stuff. They don't right. realize that there's this organization that's really focused on the traveler experience. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, there just so that people understand that, you know, that, that we exist. But um, this whole idea of stewardship and advocacy, you know, um, I know for me personally, one of the things that, you know, is top of mind is certainly economic development. And, you know, we're working on a destination master plan, which kind of looks at the, you know, the next 10 years and what are the areas that need to be developed? What are the opportunities? Um, things like, you know, changing our coding, you know, so that it's easier to open up a business here, or, um, you know, that the parking restrictions aren't so cumbersome that you, people don't want to have, a, or parking, you know, requirements so that people don't want to open up businesses here. Um, you know, those things are definitely top of mind. Um, making sure that we have things for people to do, museums and, um, you know, and new hotel development. And, you know, as a destination management organization, certainly we're not out there talking to developers and real estate people and putting them all together, but we're certainly thinking about what that is and kind of serving as the backbone that supports all of the vision and then making sure that, you know, the various organizations that do have influence are partnered together and working on these common goals and, um, you know, and developments together. 
So before I get to the luxury item question, I'm giving you a chance to plug Beverly Hills. So is there any last thing you want to tell my global listeners about why they should visit Beverly Hills? I think the, you know, for me personally, I started coming here when I was five years old and um, some of your listeners may remember the store Giorgio, which was one of the first uh, luxury purveyors really, I mean, he had, Fred Heyman had the whole experiential thing. There was shopping, there was Mm -hmm. a bar, there was a pool table, there was a lounge. Um, and, um, you know, I remember coming here with my mother and, um, when I was five and that was like the big thing for me, you know, and I think, you know, the, the wonderful thing about Beverly Hills is this old meets new, um, aspect of it. And, um, you know, the fact that we've been around for over a hundred years that Rodeo Drive got started in the seventies, but then, how we continue to maintain our status as, you know, a luxury destination, a trendsetter, um, a place where you come to see, you know, flagship stores and products that you won't find anywhere else in the world. And, um, you know, and I think that is certainly part of the magic for me personally. Um, And I hope that people feel that when they come here, that there's this you know, there's no place like this anywhere else in the world. And it really is, um, you know, a little village with world-class appeal. And, um, you know, and the other piece of it is uh, just the beauty of, of this place. I mean, Beverly Hills is one of the most beautiful places, um, urban places I've ever been. And that is um, definitely something that takes your breath away a little bit. So my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation, water transportation, or anything that requires mobile service. What would that one luxury item that you would like to have with you on that deserted island? It's only you, a lot of sand, maybe a handful of palm trees surrounded completely by miles and miles of water, what one luxury item would you like to have with you? Uh, antidepressants. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably something to read. I love to read and I love to escape through, um, through books. And, um, and I think if I had, you know, one of my favorite books with me that I didn't mind reading over and over again, that would certainly be it. Julie Wagner, CEO of the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Oh, my pleasure. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.